Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, one of the co-founding sisters at Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you for joining us. We are discussing chapter seven through nine of Wild and Free by Jeff Conley and Haley Morgan tonight. All righty. These were good chapters. I highlighted a lot in chapter seven, so get ready. <laughs> I have my resources pulled up on my screen here. <laughs> All right, chapter seven is written by Jess Conley and it is called Your Invitation Back to the Wild. All right, so she starts talking about her fishing shack, her little house um, that she had, and I love her dream she talks about. She talks about, she had this very vivid dream where her friend who does amazing gardening and amazing um, just decoration inside of her house, um, they were standing outside her little fishing shack and looking at this, this, um, this pot that has no flowers, it's just a pile of dirt. And it started just flowers just started sprouting out of it and became long, beautiful flowers and vines and everything. Um, and then God just spoke to her and said, see, things aren't supposed to grow here, but they will. So he's just showing her, you know, maybe you don't feel like you should grow where you are, but God can make it work. Um, on page 133, she says, our circumstances and our surroundings do not dictate how wild God can be. How true is that? I mean, we've all lived somewhere where we were like, okay, this is not anything. <laughs> this is not, you know, I always looked at those houses on Facebook, like these beautiful kitchens with this gorgeous island and granite countertop and all these beautiful things. And I'm like, I'm never going to have that. I live in a little tiny rental house and this is never going to be my life. Um, but God can do amazing things, even in that, that setting. Um, and then a couple lines down, she says, he is not bound by the conventional, the typical, or any rules. Jesus did not die on the cross only for the people with the pretty houses and the sweet wind of the Holy Spirit. And the sweet wind of the Holy Spirit does not flow only through tidy lives. And a few lines down again, and since then, my heart has believed that flowers can bloom on his command in dry and deserted places, flowing past our feet and spilling into the world. So when we moved back to Ohio, we got this relatively small, I mean, it was bigger than what we could get in Virginia, but it was a relatively small rental house. It was technically four bedrooms. They had transformed the garage into a bedroom. So um, it basically was a three bedroom with an extra area, but, um, you know, there was also four to six of us living there at any given time if we had stepkids with us. So there was um, not a ton of space, let's just say. Um, and it just, the kitchen wasn't as usable as we wanted it to be because my husband is a huge foodie, loves to cook, loves, you know, I love to bake, and we just didn't have any counter space to prep anything. The kitchen table was in the kitchen, so that just took up that much more square footage that we didn't have to walk around. And heaven help us if we had to pull the table away from the wall so everybody, like, we could all sit around the table, then there was just no room to walk. There's, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tiniest kitchen ever. Um, so it's just awesome how we found the church that we needed to feed our souls and feed our lives so that we could grow, even though we were in this place where we really couldn't function well. And you know, we were still able, like my faith grew immensely while we were living in that house. And I believe that that's the only reason we have this house now is because God really worked on my faith. I think all of us grew spiritually um, and literally <laughs> in that house. But, um, and I mean, we had a great three years there. Our, our life there wasn't awful. It just wasn't ideal. It's not really where we eventually wanted to be forever. So it was just cool to see God work, even though we weren't in the geographical location where we felt the most comfortable. Um, all right, the bottom of page 133, you guys chime in anytime you want, just take yourself off mute or say something in the chat tab if you want. And please feel free to um, 
put in the chat tab or in the comments below if you're watching the replay, if you want to, um, us to pray for you. We'll pray at the end. Um, so the bottom of 133, she says, when my spirit feels heavy and despair feels near, I'm reminded that the wild spirit of God that raises Christ from the dead still lives in me and has dominion over any darkness. None of this means our days will never be hard, um, dusty, or occasionally dry. Excuse me. It just means when we have hearts that walk wild with God, we're using a different measuring stick of our circumstances. So the very last line on 133, none of this means our days will never be hard. We all have experiences, we all have testimonies where life gets hard, life sucks. I mean, people lose their jobs. We, you know, face a major surgery with my husband. Like, crap happens, right? I mean, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Um, life happens and it's hard and it sucks, but. I think we said this last week or the week before, you know, that's what makes heaven so beautiful is that none of this is there. We just get to experience the, you know, being near Christ and just enjoying being in person with him and talking to him. And it just makes it so much better for me to think about, like, this is not the end. This is just the beginning, which she also says later, maybe in this chapter. Um, so just like um, last March we read, it's not supposed to be that way, not supposed to be this way by Lisa Turkhurst. And she says in there, you know, um, or it also says it in the Bible. I mean, this, God didn't say life wouldn't be hard. He said that he wouldn't, you wouldn't be alone, that he'd always be there with you, that he would walk beside you. The footprints poem, you know, during those hard times in my life, Lord, where were you? Is like, I was carrying you, you know, and that's, that's the whole point. Like you're never alone. So don't worry about it getting hard. It's going to get better. Um, and then on 134, she says, not only is God bigger and wilder than your circumstances, and not only can he do whatever he wants in your life, but you are already wild. And then toward the bottom, it says, living as a wild daughter of the king is not a level of achieve, a level to achieve. It's a freedom we will we will all currently possess. If Christ is in you, you have access to wild and free living right now. You're as holy as you'll ever be, as wild as you'll ever be, as free as you'll ever be, and as loved by God as you'll ever be. I love that because, I mean, the minute he forgave you of your sins, like you're already everything that he needs you to be, already there. All right, so now she's gonna kind of talk about what a wild woman is on 135. Um, it says, here she is, the wild woman herself. That's the title of the section. Wild women are secure in their identity because their eyes are on the Lord. And then the last sentence of page 135 um, and into 136, it says, a wild woman doesn't have time or space to feel insecure because her thoughts and affection are for him and for how immeasurably great he is. So eyes are on him, not on ourselves. I think we all struggle with that, right? It's hard not to pick yourself apart because you feel insecure. Just keep your eyes on him. I struggle too. Um, on 136, she says at the top, a wild woman is soft to her need for the gospel and open to correction from God and others. My husband and I just had a conversation last night that I was not expecting, and I'm, I'm not going to go fully into it right now, but he just brought up something, and I was like, hmm. You know, just like, hey, you know, you could do things a little bit differently and just a thought, you know, so I need to pray on it and I need to dig into God's word about that situation and see where that leads me. But, you know, I, I need to be open to what he said. And I was, I was very much like, okay, I hear what you're saying. You know, I'm not going to make a decision right now because I need to go to God and I need to go to, to the Bible and figure out what that means and if I need to you know, accept that as something that I need to change. And that's okay. You know, I, I want people to be open and honest with me. Um, so I'm glad that he felt comfortable to do that. Um, a few lines down, it says, wild women know they are still sinners saved by grace, being transformed daily by the power of the Holy Spirit, but they're sinners. We keep making mistakes, right? We keep messing up, but God keeps forgiving. Um, we talked last couple weeks about, um, what's that song called? love like this she says in the um 
chorus or the bridge, you know, he keeps giving second chances. It's, it's, it might be the millionth time you needed a second chance, but to him, he's already forgotten your past sins. And it's only the second time that you've needed help because, you know, he's forgiving you now from the first time and now it's your second chance. So he keeps giving second chances. It's not, okay, he gave you a hundredth chance, 150th, you know, it's, it's still the second chance because he completely forgets when you mess up. Um, I want to read Second Corinthians 12, 9. In the middle of the page, she mentions that. Excuse me. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Christy, me. when your face is turned away looking at your screen, I don't have, have any sound from you. Okay, I'll move my mic. Thanks. So could okay. you read it again? Yeah. All right. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Um, and she mentions that verse in here. It says, um, a wild woman lives and celebrates the glorious truth of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. She knows his power is made perfect in her weaknesses, and she cannot take anything away from his power by letting herself be weak. Um, and I just wrote down, you know, for him to be strong, we have to be weak because he needs to take over and we need to give over control to him. So we have to show our weaknesses. Um, there's, there's, I can't remember what song it is, but it says, you know, even even in all my weaknesses, even in all my flaws, God still cares about me. Or like, you, you know everything, or, you know, I, I let you see this. I let, I'm like, you're not letting him see anything. <laughs> he already knows it. Um, and I wish I could remember the exact words of the song. That always was like, hmm, just the way they said it. I'll have to find that song because I'm <laughs> sure I've got you guys all confused. Um, so in the next paragraph on 136, she says, we need him the first day to redeem us and we'll need him the last day of our lives as well you cannot be found out you are found in christ jesus so it's just the same thing you know you every single day of your life you need him to redeem you you need him to show you his grace um she says but she also knows in her very core that she is god's worksmanship and he doesn't need her to produce anything um, the work of her hands right where she is combined with the spirit and her soul produces beautiful and sweet fruit. Um, I don't know if you guys read the blog post that I posted on Saturday. Um, I hadn't read this again yet, so I wasn't thinking about this, but it works perfectly because he offers the saving before you work for it. Okay. We're not saved by works. We're saved by God. And what I wrote in the blog, the first line says, God offered the reward before the work. How much sense does that make? When we hold it to the world standards, it makes no sense. But when we hold it to God's standard, it falls in line with his word. There is nothing you can do to earn the gift God gave you, his son, but you can serve him. That is where we are, where we are called, where we are all, what, oh my gosh, that, that is <laughs> what we are all called to do. Um, so that's kind of, you know, he doesn't need us to produce anything. He wants us to, he wants us to serve him, but he doesn't need us. He can use somebody else. He can make miracles happen. He can do whatever he wants because he's God. But the reward that you get for serving him is so great that you want to do it because you keep getting that positive reinforcement when you do it. So it's, it's worth it. I mean, you get to see the sweet fruit that's produced when you follow God. Um. And the title of that little section, she said, a wild woman doesn't toil. She works from approval, not for approval. So you can't, you, your works are never going to save you. And I think pe a lot of times people get it backwards. They want to do all the things and take all the steps. And then, okay, maybe God loves me now. He loves you already. You don't have to do those things. Um, but that makes you want to. Um, the next little section is called a woman on 137. It says a wild woman is able to hear the cry of a hurting world. And then a few lines down, she says, he has tuned her heart to see injustice and hear lamentation and do something about it. So just like we said last week, like you can't just read the Bible. You have to read the Bible and then do what it says. 
or doesn't really help. You have to apply what you've learned to make it, you know, because if you just see somebody hurting and you see somebody having trouble, you're like, oh, that stinks for you. And then walk away. I mean, that's not what Jesus asked you to do, right? That's not what Jesus did when he was here. He did his best to try to console the person. And I mean, he even wept over Lazarus knowing he was about to resurrect him, but he still sat in the moment and wept for, for that loss because he felt it too. It was his friend, even though he knew what was coming next, he still sat and consoled the family, right? Um, so then the next paragraph, a, a wild woman speaks the native language of the father, life. So a few lines down, I highlighted a woman who is wild for God, knows the eternal power in her words and uses them carefully and passionately with those around her. Um, she's gonna talk about this more in chapter nine. So I think I'm gonna save that for then, but she makes really good points about having tolerance and being tame, like the difference between those two. So we'll dig into that in chapter nine. Um, and then she says she is encouraging, admonishing, and truthful, and she isn't scared of using her words to speak correction because she knows that doing so occasionally brings life as well. So mom can tell you I'm a little bit of a uh, grammar and spelling Nazi, <laughs> is what she calls me. Um, she's a light Nazi, so all the lights always have to be turned off. Anyways, um, but I do, I like, I have this intense need to fix people's grammar, and I honestly, like, I want to type out in the comments when someone spells something wrong, like, your, your, and your, there, there, and there. It hurts my heart a little bit. That's not gonna make anything better, so I generally keep it to myself unless it's my family, and I'm like, you know, that is not a spell <laughs> My mom sends me Y-O-U-R all the time when it's supposed to be Y-O-U-R-E. I think she does it on purpose now to mess with me. <laughs> She's like, oh, Chrissy's going to hate this. <laughs> but anyways, I try to keep it to myself unless it's actually going to make a difference. Like if someone's writing a book or writing something that means something, I might go, um, but, you know, a beef. Anyways, on 138, um... Yeah, so just continuing that thread. So there is most likely some blessing or benefit for her that she cannot see. Um, just heard somebody's phone ring, but my phone's not on. So, okay, anyway. Um, so then it says she doesn't talk about what she can't afford or how busy she is because Psalm 5010 tells her that her dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills and is the one who invented time. So ultimately she will have all she needs. So this takes me back. This just keeps ringing in my head lately. The song Sparrows by Corey Asbury. Like you don't have to worry about tomorrow because you have everything you need. Um, that reminds me of that. Like she doesn't have, the wild woman doesn't have to worry about what's coming and if she's gonna have everything she needs because God's gonna supply that no matter what. Um, my husband had surgery in October and then another surgery in December and has taken about a total of like eight weeks off work. Well, I don't know how everyone else's short-term disability works, but with ours, it's only 60% of your pay. And he also gets weekend differential every weekend and nighttime differential because he's on night shift. So that's like, <laughs> that's a lot of money. So it's 60% of his base pay, not any of that differential. So we lost all the differential and we lost all of, um, you know, 40% of his pay. So we were like, okay, <laughs> we just started praying. We're like, okay, God, you got this. There's a reason we're walking through this. I know that you're gonna take care of us. And you know what? We've paid our bills every month. We've never had to worry about it. The stimulus helped out, <laughs> that came in handy. But um, you know, God always supplies. We continued to tithe. It was a little bit less because we were making less, but we still, we still tithed. And you know, we, yeah, just, we have to stay faithful no matter what the situation is. We know that God's gonna provide. Um, and then the next section is a wild woman runs hard and fast without baggage. Uh, a couple lines down, it says she also knows it's not her strength, but the Lord's that pushes her forward. Um, and then a couple lines down again, though she will take care of herself. So it says, doesn't want to stop to care too much about herself, though she will stop to take care of herself. So I think that's important. Like you need time to rest. 
Um, Saturday, I was supposed to clean up the basement and put things away from Christmas, and I took a nap instead because my body was like, you are tired, you just need to rest. Um, so I did. So sometimes you just have to take care of yourself and not go all the time. I made up for it by going through all the boys' toys on Monday. I, I just took a giant box of toys to Goodwill. <laughs> we just closed up the box for like, oh, they're all gone. They have tons of toys left, and birthdays are coming up. I'll be fine. Anyways, um, on top of 139, she says, you are a mighty daughter of God and you are wild. It may take time to walk with him, to learn his rhythms, to watch as he removes the shackles you've been carrying around, but he can do it effortlessly. So we get caught up in things needing to be done right now because that's the society we live in, that's the culture, like Amazon comes in one to two days, you know, we can order, like I ordered something on Walmart this morning, sweatshirt. Um, I ordered that this morning on walmart.com and went and picked it up this afternoon. <laughs> like that's what we're used to, right? Especially now with how life has changed. Like you literally can order from any store and go pick it up later that day because a lot of people don't want to go in the store um, or online shopping is just so much easier. <laughs> so, um, so just don't expect it to happen overnight. You know, that's, that's culture. That's not God. He needs to do it in his time, and we can't see everything, so we don't know what the story is behind that. Um, I think I said a couple weeks ago, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven so that I can ask a million questions. It'll take me at least a thousand years to ask all my questions. <laughs> but what about that? Why did you do that? And how about that right there? Why did you do that? It'll be, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get weird. On 139, she says, let's get weird. Um, one on middle of 140, she says, think about it, God bringing light out of darkness, walking on water, raising Jesus from the dead, God in his utter wilderness, wildness, I don't know if I can't read an orange highlighter, <laughs> God in his utter wildness defies all the laws of natural order, it's wild, it's weird, and we want to live that kind of wild freedom, um, we just keep saying, you know, things don't work out, the way we think, because we think in the world's terms, um, just like God providing the reward, the reward before we do any work, like God offered us salvation before we ever did one bit of work to earn it, because you can't earn it, but it's totally backwards, right? I mean, to get a paycheck, you have to do work the hours. You have to do the job to get a paycheck. In this case, if you compare that to what God did, he was like, oh, here's your money. I know you'll put the work in right? Even though he doesn't know that. People get saved on their deathbed and have never believed in God ever before. They get saved on their deathbed and go straight to heaven and get the same reward because God offered that across the board. He didn't say you have to do X, Y, and Z to get salvation. So I think that's beautiful. And, and the way it is because you just get that salvation, you, you, get, to, you get to serve God right? You don't have to. You get to. You get excited to because him offering you all of that for absolutely no reason, it's like, wow, you know, I want to, I want to learn more about this. And then you just want to share it because it's so awesome. All right. So the bottom 140, the very last line says, your love and grace and forgiveness may seem out of place in the lives around you. And the way you stand confident in your identity will be countercultural no matter your age. So same thing. We're not going to look like the world and it's going to be weird and it's going to be wild and it's going to be crazy. And, but that's, God wants us to look different. He wants us to be more like him than like the world. Middle of 141, she says, you will be weird occasionally, but you will be wild. You may be seen as strange or different, but you will be seen and loved fully by God. So matter, no matter what, the world thinks of you. God's still going to love you and think that you're awesome. Let's see. So then she starts talking about find your gateway. And she talks about this um, beautiful ring her mom got her. And it just, it was the first little step to get her to dress better. And then she started wearing her nail polish to go with the ring. And then she went and got her, um, started doing her makeup. So it just led like one thing to another. Um, so just make her, you know, feel like a new woman. So 
143, the last sentence of the first paragraph there, it says, that day my own wild mama handed me a massive gift of confidence more than she handed me a ring. She called me up to wild living with her. So that ring led her to actually wearing bright red lipstick. And she said it was just like, she loves it now. That's, that's her go-to. Um, so to just imagine someone that never does their hair, never does their makeup, me essentially. Um, I have to do my hair now because I cut it all off. So I have to do something with it. But, you know, I would just throw it up in a ponytail. No big deal. Um, you know, she went from yoga pants, not getting dressed every day to wearing nice outfits to go with her fancy ring and doing her nails and wearing makeup and doing her hair. You know, she was completely one way and then completely changed. So it was just wild to see that big change in her. Um, so she was saying, you know, my mom didn't just give me a ring. She gave me like this whole new life. All right. On 144, she says, we just need to kick the gate open and stop telling ourselves, bless you, and stop telling ourselves the lie that we're not allowed beyond it. Um, may the walking wild begin. <laughs> Made me think of uh, Walking Dead. Um, a little bit different, but, um, it says here are a few gates to consider walking through. So the first is to read God's word. So, sorry. I want to read verse 2 9. It refers to it. Um, so it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he calls you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And she says to read this out loud in a quiet moment, walking around your living room. Read it two or three times and say it with conviction. Um, and the next time people around you start arguing, start reading some Psalms out loud to them. <laughs> or post on the bathroom mirror some scripture verses you're claiming. Um, we forgot to read memory verse but you could post Galatians 5 1 to help you remember to memorize your verse um it says it is it's Galatians 5 1 it is for freedom that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened against again by a yoke of slavery so you could write this verse every month whatever verse we have as a memory verse um on your mirror to help you memorize it um and then the last sentence in that section it says the Bible last two sentences the bible isn't an ancient artifact it's an it's an alive and active weapon to defeat the enemy of your god use it like one i give you permission next section is pray for healing and i highlighted the last sentence on the bottom of page 144 um if his perfect will doesn't include the result you hoped for you will have spent all of that time in his lap talking to him, and I believe you will feel closer for it. So even if you don't get the outcome that you wanted, you still got to spend all that time, you know, building your relationship with God. Um, so I feel like there's no lose situation there. Um, of course, if you have a sick child or something and things don't go the way you want it to, um, I'm thinking about a girl I started following on Instagram because I follow somebody else and they have gone through a similar journey, but she just lost her daughter. Um, I believe she was 10 or 11, um, but she had cancer multiple times. It kept coming back and they did a bone marrow transplant and it just wouldn't work and there was no other treatment. So she just passed away a couple months ago. So I was thinking about her, you know, it didn't turn out the way she wanted it to, but she still was able to reach people that she never would have been able to reach and share God with them during that process. And she was able to sit down and build her relationship with God. Um, I mean, that doesn't make up for the loss of her child, of course, but maybe it would make it hurt a little less to know that her, her baby's with Jesus. And she was always smiling. I tell you what, I, I don't see a single picture or anything ever posted of her where she's not smiling. If she's not sleeping, she was smiling. And it was so precious. She was a real light in those short amount of years. Um, so then the next thing you can do is to forgive someone, which we've talked about forgiveness a lot in here because of my situation. Um, 
So she says, believe that the grace of God that covers you is big enough to cover them too. Forgive her yourself. Forgive yourself. If God isn't holding on to your sin, why are you? Sit at the foot of the cross and let your father love you. I know a lot of people struggle with not forgiving themselves for things that they do or situations that happen. So I don't have anything personally to say about that part. I know I have 100% forgiven my dad. Um, I don't carry that baggage around with me. So God's grace covers him too. All right. So last section of this chapter is called destroy the box. We talked about this last week. You know, you can't keep God in a box. You actually, I, I listened to, if you guys joined, she works his way. We have that free 30 day membership in December. If you haven't used that yet, I encourage you to do so because they have some crazy, amazing trainings and classes in there. PJ, you're joined, right? You're still in there. You know, that is good. Last week, she spoke about margin and making room for God and not just putting him in a box. Like, don't just do your devotional in the morning. Like, if he's starting to speak to you, then maybe set aside a different time to let him speak. Or, you know, you can't just do it the same way every day because he wants to talk to you. He wants to be part of your life all day long. Um, I've told you guys that I started listening and just listening and talking to God. Like, he's sitting next to me in the car when I drive to work. Um, that really opened my eyes and I learned a lot. I have learned a lot. I'm still doing it. So I'm hoping to still learn things, but I mean, that's just a way for me to take him out of the box and let him move in other places. Instead of having stuff coming into me, like a podcast or worship music, I just sit in silence and it was weird at first, but then I just started praying and he started revealing things to me and talking to me. And it was really, really cool. Um, all right, so last sentence of this chapter says, let's remember that he is the God who grows things where they're not supposed to grow. Remember her dream at the beginning. And that our feet are covered in flowers. And then I like in her prayer section, she says, God, thank you for being one who grows things where there is, where there is no logic. Um, I'm thinking about doing a podcast episode where I talk about the full story of how we got this house. Maybe mom and I can do it together. Um, we can just talk about all the things we went through to get this house because I'm telling you guys, without God, this wouldn't have happened. I 100% know that. And I think that's why it happened the way it did through all the turmoil and strife we went through trying to get our offer accepted and then all the things that happened. Like, I mean, we had COVID when we signed the papers for this house. Just give you a little preview. We sat in our van and signed papers and then had to put it like in an envelope and they ran it through like an ultraviolet light to like clean it so that they wouldn't get COVID and it was it was truly crazy the whole situation so I might do that if you guys want to hear the whole story we can record that but I mean he got us into this house and there's absolutely no logic as to how we got here this is where he wanted us and this is where we are and we love it. My last day of quarantine was the day we moved. <laughs> yeah, because we were planning on moving the weekend after we signed the papers. We had a moving truck. We had moving people. Everything was ready to go. So as soon as we got COVID, I was like, um, we're going to be in quarantine until the Monday after we were supposed to have already moved. And there's no way we could let people come in and take all of our stuff and touch everything and be around us when <laughs> we're still, you know, in quarantine. So... So a little tidbit of that story, so. All right, moving on to chapter eight. Man, I told you guys I had a lot. I'm gonna have to hurry through these next two chapters because it's already 22. All right, Unchained and Unafraid. Haley's writing this chapter. Um, she says on 151, she says she's got an assured confidence um, she's talking about a woman who is free is unchained from her past and unafraid of her future. And because of this, she can laugh at the days to come. She's got an assured confidence. She doesn't let circumstances shake her. She loves people, but doesn't live to please them. And then she references Proverbs, excuse me, 3125. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. All right, on 153, she says he doesn't cause these awful things, but he allows them. So she's talking about, you know, bad things happening to you. She was having all these symptoms that seemed like a stroke or MS or different things after she had her second son, and it, it ended up being anxiety. Um, so, you know, he didn't cause her to have those symptoms, but he allowed it. And then 
it says, that was a big shift in my mentality. If something so sad would befall me, his child, he would have holy sorrow, but not be surprised and would make sure to use it for my good and for his glory. So it's kind of like letting Lazarus die. He fully sat in that moment and grieved the loss of his friend, but he knew that it was going to be for Lazarus's good, his family's good, and for his glory because he was able to resurrect him then. Because what if he just came and cured him and they could have said, oh, well, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was, you know. I, I think he just, you know, his body just healed itself, whatever. But to have Lazarus die and then fully raised from the dead and become a living person again, and just like Jesus did, you know, he died on the cross, was dead for three days in the tomb, like anybody could have walked in and he was laying right there, and then all of a sudden he's alive again. Like, those kind of miracles don't, there's no explanation for it. So those are terrible, horrible things to have happen, but the story to go along with it just praises God, and it's, it's for everyone's good, and it's for God's glory, and you can't explain that away. All right, on 155, I'm skipping a few things so we can get going. Um, on 155, she talks about, he invites us to play a part in making disciples, which is what everyone's called to do. Um, couple lines down, she says, he will give us a supernatural ability to do these things in his timing and in his power. So again, don't rush it, right? Can't rush perfection. Um, the next paragraph, she says, it's time to live bravely. It's time to believe that God isn't finished changing you. You don't have to be ashamed of where you are because he's working in your heart and shifting the way you see things. Um, it just makes me think of my rental house that we were in before this house. Um, I didn't necessarily want everybody coming over because it wasn't the nicest place and it wasn't, you know, we didn't have a ton of room. Um, about my apartment. Sorry, your apartment was tiny. <laughs> One person, it was okay, but if you yeah. ever had company, it was too small. Yeah. Me and the boys would come over. They were, yeah, not a lot of room. Um, Bottom of 155, she says, the whole world is broken, but God is making it new. He won't let the world flounder forever in its sin. Makes me think of a couple times where he, well, I mean, he caused a flood over the entire earth and wiped everybody out because they were floundering in sin. Um, and then he took care of Sodom and Gomorrah. They were floundering in sin. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again, but who knows? Um, but when he comes back, you know, we get to go to heaven, and this isn't the end. This is um, beginning, the middle. We're in the middle. Um, top of 156, she says, we have to walk in the understanding that the world is broken and, and will disappoint us. People are hurting and will let us down and bang us up. But Jesus has already come and overcome and sent his Holy Spirit to comfort us in our suffering. He is already here with us and he is perfect. He is the prize. Yay. Best prize ever. Um, I want to read these verses that she has in here. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by troubles, Proverbs 19.23. Um, the next one is, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We talked about that when I talked about the song um, Sparrows by Corey Asbury. You know, we're, we're never going to, you know, as long as we seek the Lord, we're not going to lack for anything. Um, that's Psalm 3410. Next verse is the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Psalm 16:6, And that's heaven. I mean, we have the best inheritance ever. And we get, we talked about last week, you know, we get a small glimpse of heaven here on earth by seeing God's grace and mercy and love for us. That's just a tiny little glimpse of what we have to look forward to. All right, on 157, she says, a free woman rests, breathes, lives, and loves in his promises and truth. She is not paralyzed by decisions because she's indwelled with the spirit of peace. And then she references Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So then, you know, he's going to fill you with this joy and peace, which 
is beyond our understanding, right? We talked about that last week. You know, I had this overwhelming peace come over me while I was in the hospital with my husband as he's having open heart surgery. Um, and I can't explain it. I don't understand it. And I think that's a small glimpse of the inheritance that we get is that I had true and unfathomable peace. And my husband did as well. And it was just, I think that helped for sure, knowing that he had peace. <laughs> that helped me feel better. Um, um, I like on 158, she talks about the pendulum. So it's it has a place at the top where it's tethered, but then it freely moves at the bottom. So as long as we're um, tethered in God, uh, we can move about freely doing as he needs us to do. Um, so she says, in the middle of 158, she says, here's the truth. If someone is attached at a point above, um, if something is attached at a point above it, it can only swing so far before it comes back to rest plumb with its support. I rest in this beautiful truth when I fear I'm going off script with the Lord. I know he's going to pursue me and that the Holy Spirit will guide and convict me. Amen. <laughs> It's awesome to know that we can do whatever we want, but then we still have someone to look up to, to guide us in the right direction. All right. <clears throat> Talk about the word charity on page 160. It means kindness, goodwill, and consideration in judging others. Um, so the next paragraph, because God loves us, we're able to love without restraint. Um, just talking about, you know, having love for everyone, not judging having consideration and judging others. Um, on 161 in the middle, she says, only our relationship with the Lord and knowing his love for us and his good news will compel us to do good works and steadfast heart change. So that's, you know, he came in, he saved you, and now you want to serve him. Um, we're talking about being free, and I think a lot of people see that as an not being free because you're you know tethered that like the pendulum you know you're tethered to god so are you really free but i feel like jesus is the master that you choose to serve and you know the world gives you things that chain you without your permission right because we kind of get sucked into things we get addicted to things we get pulled in and then all of a sudden we're underwater treading water trying to figure out how did we get here but I think, you know, Jesus makes you choose him. He doesn't force himself on you. He makes you choose that. So yes, you're serving him like you would a master. Um, as a slave, you would serve your master, but Jesus is the master you get to choose. You know, he doesn't want to force you to, to love him. He lets you choose that. So I don't see it as slavery. I see it as freedom because I get to choose who I follow. Um, and then Jess's response to this chapter on 163 says, freedom from striving often means diving into rest in a truly active way, hiding my phone, canceling plans, and saying no. Freedom from comparison takes action, praying for the women I compare myself to, lifting them up and encouraging them when I can, and verbally thanking God for the pleasant lines he's drawn from me. Um, I can think of a couple women at church that I would love to be further along. I, I just see them as further along in their Christian walk than me, and I would love to be there, but I can't compare my chapter one to their chapter 20, right? I mean, you see highlight reels on, on Instagram all the time of these perfect lives, but that's not the first thing that happened. The first thing that happened was that they had four followers. They had no sponsorships. They were just existing. You know, they were just there for those few people, and you can't, you can't expect to be completely and wholly complete with God in your relationship when you just got saved. I mean, you can't expect to live a perfect life exactly how you should or be where that person is that has been a Christian longer, has been walking with Jesus longer. Um, and I, I don't feel like I compare myself to them. I'm just, I, I do pray for them and I do encourage them. Um, every chance I get. I also actually, one of them I just messaged last week and I was like, hey, how can I pray for you? Because I'm called to pray for everyone just like they are. She was like, oh, thank you for asking. Here's what I need. Now, what do you need? So we both prayed for each other. And that was just a very beautiful moment where we got to lift each other up and not compare ourselves and fight over what we're going through. That was cool. All right. Anything else? Chapter eight. Anybody wants to 
say anything? Mm -hmm. some coffee now. She's got coffee over here. It's making me want some coffee. All I have is water. <laughs> All right, another really good chapter. I'm trying to be quick. Um, chapter nine is The Danger of Staying Tame, and this is written by Jess. Um, let's see. Trying to narrow it down. I highlighted a lot. So um, I like on 167, she says, um, and what is the call of, a, of the woman set wild and free in God? Her eyes are on Jesus. He determines her path and she trusts him. She isn't concerned with fitting in or standing out since her identity is in step with her father. Um, and then she references a couple of verses here that I want to read. Isaiah 54, 17. Um, I'll read her. Um, what do you call it? The paraphrase of the verse. Isaiah 54, 17, which tells her that no weapon forged against her will prevail. And Romans 8, 37, which tells her that she is more than a conqueror through Christ. Um, so you don't need to fit into the world. You don't need to stand out the way the world tells you to stand out. You do need to stand out the way Jesus tells you to, not how the world tells you, um, because your identity is in step with the Father. All right, tolerance versus tame. So she talks about the tension of tolerance, and I love how she explains this. And she talks about the two sides of the Christian culture. So one side on 169, she says, we cannot and should not tolerate the community around us walking in a way that feels contrary to our convictions. So you can't just let somebody run around willy-nilly doing all these sins. You know, you have to tell them not to sin, right? Then the other side of Christian culture is tired of hurting and resting um, and hurting the rest of the world and wondering and wounding them with our judgment. Let me try that again. The other side of Christian culture is tired of hurting the rest of the world and wounding them with our judgment. So you have two very different sides. One wants to go preach fire and brimstone to everyone and tell them how, how much they're going to go to hell if they don't get saved and tell them all the consequences of their actions. The other side wants to just kind of shrink away and enjoy their Jesus all by themselves and not share it with anybody because they're, because that other side, the first side is raining fire down on everybody, and they're like, yeah, I'm not part of that crowd. Um, so she's talking about, you know, we have to find a happy medium. So the definition that she puts in here of tolerance on 170, the very last line is what I'm going to read. She actually gives all the definitions of tolerance, but I'm going to read the condensed version that she says. Sorry. <clears throat> she says, Tolerance is seeing people fairly, objectively, permissively, taking interest in and showing concern for what they believe, even when their beliefs are different from my beliefs. Um, she talks about in this chapter how she was getting her nails done and she, the girl was like, do you believe in Jesus? And just started this whole conversation. And she says, yeah. So the girl starts telling her all these things that she believes and they're very worldly and they're very, you know, sorry. Ate dinner like right before we came down. So <laughs> having some indigestion. All right. Um, so she's talking to this nail salon person. Um, she the the person, you know, they were just having a conversation and the per and the girl says, This isn't making you mad. Like, I don't believe like you. This isn't making you mad. And she's like, Seriously, why would it make me mad? But that's how people react, is that first side, they're like, That's not how you do it. This is how you do it. And if you don't do it this way, you're gonna go to hell. I've been to those churches. <laughs> Um, so I, I like that she uses that example because she didn't try to rain fire down on her, but she did go home and pray for her with her family. She told her boys about it and they prayed for her. Um, so tolerance is having concern, having that conversation, but not necessarily beating them down for it. Um, and also it's not hiding in the corner, not sharing your faith. Um, so the next paragraph on 171 says, tolerance is no longer a scary word to me, no longer a chasm of misunderstanding that I'm worried I will fall into. I remember that 2 Timothy 4.2 says to preach the word, but to do it with complete patience. Ephesians 4.2 reminds me that my call is to walk in humility and gentleness with patience, bearing the people, bearing with people in love. <laughs> Romans 2.4 asks, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I'm compelled by that question 
to remember how great God's tolerance and patience are with me and how he equips me to keep sharing them with others. So it is kind of hard sometimes to remember that God forgave you and God did things for you the same as he expects you to do for others. It's hard for me at least to remember to have grace and compassion for other people because God keeps having grace and compassion for me. I keep failing and falling and having problems, but he still loves me and we still need to love others. Um, all right. <clears throat> On 173 at the top, she says, we have taken the bait and the we have taken the bait and the idols the world offers us because they're easy and pleasing, and then we don't have to wait on our Abba provider. Um, God's way isn't easy. It goes against and off people that talk about how you're not doing it the right way. So it's definitely easier to just go with the flow, right? You don't want to go against the grain. Throwing out all the little euphemisms tonight. All right, so on the flip side on 174, she talks about being tame. Um, the definition of tame, she talks about in here as well about the wild horses that we talked about in chapter one. Um, on, in the Outer Banks, they have wild horses that run across the beaches and you are, there are laws against interacting with them. You can't feed them, you can't touch them because if one of them gets dependent on humans, then the entire um, herd can be taken out because then they, all start believing that way. So one falls, they all fall. Um, so she defines tame as she says in chapter one too about when you're when horses are broken, that's when they start listening. So as humans, if we are broken by the world, we start listening to what they say and what they think we should do. But that makes us broken, and God doesn't want to see us broken. Um, so then on the bottom of 174, she says the definition of tame is changed from the wild state, lacking in excitement, dull, insipid, insipid, spiritless, under control. And I, I hear that as under control of the world, if we're tame. So that's kind of the flip side. You know, the second side of the Christian culture is that we just want to kind of hide in the corner and keep Jesus to ourselves. Well, we can't do that either. You have to kind of find that middle ground, is what she's saying. Um, on 175, she says, I frequently walked away from the beautiful and freeing relationship with God to tether myself to addictions, idols, and even my own afflictions. Um, so that's the taming. We're falling in line. We're becoming under control of other things other than Jesus. And then the next paragraph says, today I remember and remind you that Jesus died so we might not be tame any longer. We are still the wild women he created, and he has never stopped longing to give us all we need. He has never stopped being all we need. Absolutely. All right, page 176 starts the section of protect the herd. And I'm gonna start on, page, stop on the top of page 177. It says, when confronted with my unhealthy life, so she's talking about being a little overweight. She, in high school, um, she says her metabolism changed and became a lot slower, so she gained more weight. Um, and she said, when confronted with my unhealthy lifestyle and patterns, instead of working on my health, I set my sights on covering up my unhealthy body and became freakishly passionate about modesty. So at that time, she was a high school youth leader, so she had a lot of influence over young women. So she just says, you know, my timidity was absolutely used as a tool of the enemy against the freedom of other women. So she was teaching others, like, God's working on this. You know, I need to cover my whole body because God's telling me I need to do this and then encouraging others to do that as well. So even though she was just trying to hide from what had changed on her body, but she was preaching that to others. So we just have to be careful what it is we're preaching or what other people are seeing in our life. Um, on 178, she says, a few lines down, it says, the beautiful difference between us and those wild horses is that when we act tame, we don't have to be removed and the damage is never irreversible. So she talked about the wild horses, you know, if one person feeds one horse and then the whole herd goes down and they become extinct. Well, that's not the same with us because nothing we ever do is irreversible in God's eyes. He can 
always gives us a second chance, right? He keeps giving second chances. Um, the last sentence of this chapter says, God's wild freedom compels as we seek to love others and it unchains us as we live out his love for us. Be wild. Countercultural, but let's let's be wild, right? Anything else in chapter nine? It's eight oh one. Yeah, I just have a real quick uh, yep. comment about yep. the whole tolerance versus intolerance. Mm -hmm. I think with the climate we're in now, I think there's a big push towards a lot of people being intolerant of anybody with mm -hmm. different views. So, I mean, when you want to go out and voice your opinion on something, whether it's about Christianity, about political issues, about the weather, I mean, somebody, mask. <laughs> yes, I mean, I just can't believe that instead of somebody just saying, well, you know, I kind of disagree with you, but you know, this is my feelings and then still wanting to be friends because you have different ideas. They're like, oh, I don't believe that stuff. We can't, we can't be friends no more. I mean, I just really can't believe how people have been, are so intolerant of anybody with a different view. So. It's almost like they're afraid to be tolerant because that is not the atmosphere of the world right now, or at least America, yeah. you know, we're not able to look at someone who's different than, who has different thoughts than us and say, okay, let's agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. It's like instant fight. Yeah. And hopefully that's going to just settle down and, and become better and correct itself. I don't know whether it's because everybody is so crazy over COVID and being stuck in the house and, you know, all of the regulations and people dying, but you're right. You're right. People are very intolerant. And I really think it's because they're afraid to be tolerant. The, 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 I guess, you know, we just have to pray that somehow we come together and start to learn some tolerance again for people with differing views, because I just find it very sad and heartbreaking at times. Because there are families that no longer will speak to each other because mm -hmm. of their different views. So this just interesting. I agree with you, PJ. It's like the whole world's breaking down. Yep. Yep. And that's why we have to be tolerant ourselves because we need to be the example and we need to lead our youngins to be, <laughs> to be, you know, the way that Jesus calls them to be, not the way that the world calls them to be because Jesus definitely tolerated a lot while he was here. Um, and he still loved them. He still prayed for them as he's hanging on a cross. He still prayed for the people that captured him and said, God, forgive them. They know not what they do. So, I mean, if that isn't the perfect picture of tolerance, <laughs> I mean, they put him through a lot. He still prayed for them. So, all right, let's pray for tolerance tonight, shall we? <laughs> yeah, we're going to pray for Shelly as well with her headaches. Yes, known as friend Charlotte. We're going to pray for her. Well, she's, um, she has COVID. She's on a ventilator for over a week now. So, all right. Dear Lord, thank you again for this group of women that we get to um, focus our hearts and our minds on you. Um, help us to be the wild and free women that you've called us to be. Um, help us to show tolerance to people that don't think like us and love them and pray for them um, no matter what. Help us to show this world a different kind of love that I don't think a lot of people have experienced. Um, things that we do as Christians and things that you call us to do don't make sense to the world and you know they don't understand it and then they ask questions and that's what we want them to do. You know we want them to ask us how you think we should live. God just help us to center our lives on you. Always keep our face turned up, focused on you to seek your kingdom above anything else. Lord, I want to pray for Shelly tonight as she's been having a lot of headaches. God, just please cure her migraines so that she doesn't have those anymore. Um, you know you can do it, God, and we just speak, you know, healing over her. Lord, please help Charlotte as she's been on the ventilator. God, you know what's going on in her body. Um, just, we just ask that you give her complete healing from this disease so that she can, you know, live a better life. Um, just be fully healed. 
Lord, we just ask that you keep us all under your hedge of protection this week as we go through a huge changeover in our government. God, we just pray for peace and for love of each other in this world. We pray that um, everyone can be safe um, and their transition can go smoothly. Lord, we love you so much and we praise you and we ask that you keep your, your hands over us as we go about our work. God, it's all in your name. I pray. Thanks, everybody. So we'll we see you next week. Book? Yep, we're going to finish the book next week. Thank you. Chapter 10 through 12. Okay, all right, everybody love you all. Be safe. Have a good Bye week. Now. Take care. Bye. Be safe. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BCS Podcast. We hope you found what you needed in this week's episode and that it blessed you. If you would like to chat more, please join our Facebook group, Book Club Sisterhood. And if you would like to subscribe to our box, go to bookclubsisterhood.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Have a great week, sisters.